Welcome to episode four of the Fireside Finance Chats. I am your co-host Trevor, joined by everybody's favorite forest-dwelling financial advisor, Blaine. <laughs> Blaine, how I, are you? <laughs> I'm I'm good, and um, I I get to do the introduction next time. No, I don't want to know what kind of names you're going to come up for me. There, I, I got two so far, and they're pretty good. So you know what, though, I am running out of alliteration names having to do with you living in the mountains that's that's everybody's go-to it's like every time somebody sees me did it it snow (laughs) and it's like like, no it's august (laughs) well yeah but that's that's everybody's go-to so man this this has got to or this has to have been one of the craziest weeks um as far as headlines i feel like i feel like every day I would see a headline, and a year ago, that headline would have been in the news for a month. Yeah, we have a high quantity. <laughs> right. And now it's like, okay, well, it's a new day, and a million other crazy things happen. So so I think it's a good time to start your new idea you came up with, which is to kind of break down some of the week's financial news and stuff. Yeah, so I, I, I obviously um, cataloged these as the week went on. So I, we're going to I really live. I really like how you did it, man, because I could look at it too and kind of see what you're talking about so I don't sound completely clueless and stuff. So good. Here we go. Good job. I, I added a couple on there too. Hey, real quick before we start though, can I, I feel like, I feel like you're obligated to do a two minute pandemic update. So can I? Can I run through that really quick, and then we won't? We'll just forget about it for an hour. Uh, I doubt that'll happen, but, but go for it. <laughs> so, man, kind of bad news. Well, I mean, it's not any worse news than last week, but it was—it's bad news symbolically. So, I think about three days ago, maybe four, it, um, the death toll in the U.S., which is the highest in the world by a pretty big margin, um, it, it surpassed the. I don't know if it was last year or the year before's flu deaths, which is kind of like a bad symbolic thing. Because if I had a a friend or a family member who was kind of extra anxiety over Corona, I could always say like, hey, well, it's bad. But, you know, in the big scope of things, it's only about as can't say that anymore. So (laughs) so I got to try to come up with something else that's comforting. But anyway, so we're at. You told me this today. I think we're at sixty-six or sixty-seven thousand, which beats that most recent bad flu year by by a bit, by about five or six thousand. So anyway, yeah, we're currently at sixty-seven thousand four hundred and forty-four, and that is the next. I think the next highest is Italy and Spain at twenty-eight. I'm curious, and I know somebody's probably done this before, but add up the population of Spain, Italy, right. all of Europe. And, and, you know, get an apples to apples comparison. Like a per capita number. Yeah, I mean, we're far larger. I mean, I think we're equal to Europe, um, you know, as far as population. So I, I'd be curious to see that rate. Not that it matters, um, but, but the, it's just something to compare. Yeah, I mean, it really should be similar, you would think, everywhere. But, um, but then you take a country like China, which is three times bigger, and they yeah. had none, basically, you know, 2,000, 3,000. But then you wonder, you know, a lot of people wonder if that's an accurate number yeah. and all that stuff. So anyway, so enough with that. I say we talk about what this show's supposed to be about, some some financial headlines and stuff. So what do you got? All right, let me, let me start it from Monday. So the Fed 
after everybody already kind of has been saying they're out of bullets um, as far as all these things that they're doing to stimulate the economy, um, but they're still not out. So Monday, they announced that they're expanding their municipal bond buying program. And previously, it was, I believe, to cities and counties north of a million, um, which actually isn't that many cities in the U.S., um, probably 20 or 30. Um, but they've reduced that now to 500,000 and okay. cities with 250,000 or residents or more. And oh, doing, wow. That's, that's a lot that's of cities. That's a lot of cities. Yeah. And, and so, um, that's a big deal and it's 500 billion. And so they're, they're still, they're still loading up more people with debt. Um, is really which which obviously that you know they these cities need it due to the basically their expenses going up and their revenue going down. It's a bonanza um, right now. It is, and and the floodgates are getting opened up wider. A, a lot of these states really were about ready to need a bailout anyway before this happened, like New York, for example. Yep. So it's uh it's definitely a free money. Bonanza, everybody's getting money. There's all kinds of crazy um, new ideas for let's send everybody one of these stimulus checks every month now or, you know, yep. all kinds of crazy stuff. So, And um, so that happened. Um, they also – oh, no, this was different. So that was Monday. Uh, Wednesday, I believe it was, um, GDP came out, and it dropped – at 4.8% annualized. And that's also a big deal because that's the biggest since 2008. Wow. And so the general consensus, though, is that this is kind of like a sneak preview to next quarter um, because the majority of the impacts kind of happened in the early part of March meaning that it had about three weeks out of the whole quarter to take really to take hold. Um, and we are now a month into the following quarter. Um, and it's anticipated that this will drag on. So if, if that is a, a predictor, it's, it's assumed that next GDP announcement will be lower, um, which is not cool. I guess that makes sense though. Um, you had mentioned a couple shows ago, you know, this really got bad mid-March. Well, March is the last month of the quarter. So um, now here we are in Q2 and one month all in. of, well, yeah, one month in, but most likely at least I would say all of Q2 will be affected, which is different from last quarter. Um, whether or not we're on lockdown for all of Q2 remains to be seen. But even if we do open up, I think it's not going to be to the same extent. So. And so, it, has to, it almost seems like it would have to be worse. Well, and, and the other thing is, so everybody's looking at China right now because China opened up, obviously, uh, you know, about maybe about a month ago, um, or at least lifted a lot of the restrictions. But the lifting of those restrictions did not kind of flood everybody back into the stores. The people were still scared, more or less, you know, not, not as spendy as they normally would be. And, um, and my understanding is they're almost of the opposite mindset over there. O over here, we all think the government is trying to trick us into staying home. And over there, they all think the government is not taking it seriously enough has been kind of what I've read. Really? Yeah. So they, you know, a lot of the, 
and, and this is just one Yahoo News article I read, but just talking about how a lot of Chinese citizens feel like it was much worse than was reported. Uh, Whereas here, it's almost kind of the opposite. It's kind of interesting. And so, yeah, because that's, that's so if even if we do open everything up, um, you know, I think half the country is technically open as of yesterday. But um, if, even if we do open everything up tomorrow, will people get back to normal? And I, I don't think the answer to that is yes. I think there will be obviously some, you know, people going out to spend money to get out of their house. But I, I don't think this is everybody's going to go back to normal because people are still out of work. And so, right. yeah, exactly. So I do think this is going to drag on. And I think GDP, you know, three months from now when it's released will be the same or worse. Um, so that was that. Certain, certain things might go back to normal. I mean, Starbucks is already back to normal, it seems. Um, they've got lines. <laughs> it, it's nuts. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think other things will take a long time. In in like in Texas, for example, they're doing it in phases. I think everyone is. And they're only allowing 25% of max occupancy for the first phase. So even now that things are open, it's going to be a yeah. 75%, you know, throughput reduction. reduction. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Hey, I've I've got one for you before you go to your next one. Okay. <clears throat> this I'm I may have just been living under a rock, but I read this story and was like, "Wait, what?" I did not hear anything about this. So stop stop me if you've heard it already and it's like everyone knows about it, but I had it. So I don't know if you had heard that the two hospital ships um, left this week from no. New, from New York and LA. So the one in New York had seen w- one had seen like a hundred cases and one had seen like a thousand. And those weren't COVID cases; those were just regular cases to kind of free up the hospitals potentially for COVID. Yeah. So anyway, for whatever reason, they they left um, just lack of demand or whatever. But this story this story is about when they had first arrived. So so listen to this. I'm going to read, give me some leeway here to read for a little bit. Okay. 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 Uh, Hopefully I I don't fumble through this too much. So the USNS Mercy, a Navy hospital ship, arrived at the Port of Los Angeles on Friday to bolster a healthcare system that officials worry could be overwhelmed by a surge in coronavirus patients. So far, so good, right? Uh Nothing, (laughs) nothing out of the ordinary there. Where do you, where do you think I'm going next? I have no clue. I'd give, you, only... I'd give you a million dollars if you could predict it. Okay. One train operator and engineer who worked at the port grew suspicious, he later told the authorities, according to an affidavit by an FBI agent, Douglas Swain. Hmm. Grew suspicious of what, I wonder. <laughs> the engineer, Eduardo Moreno, told investigators that he wondered if the ship had some unstated purpose or something to do with a government takeover one of several baseless conspiracy theories emerging about the government's handling of the outbreak. Okay, so, so far, odd, but nothing completely, (laughs) nothing completely (laughs) crazy. Here we go. Those unfounded suspicions bubbled over on Tuesday when Mr. Moreno, at the end of a shift, sent a train off its tracks at full speed and crashed it some 250 yards away from the Mercy in an attempt to strike the ship. I did hear about this. No one was injured in the crash, and the Mercy was not damaged. Uh, Mr. Moreno, 44, with char- listen to this, was charged with one count of train wrecking, 
according to a statement released Wednesday by the U.S. Attorney's Office. So, so yeah, this was this was all based on what was his original statement? He grew suspicious. <laughs> what? That's a that's a quick escalation from suspicion to train crap. I'm suspicious that my neighbor sprayed Roundup on one of my rose bushes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not about to drive to drive my truck. <laughs> Into his to go drive a, a, a train into a military ship. Yeah, so they have like, a picture of it, and it's a full-on train. Like it's like a, it's a Pacific Harbor line, but it just looks like one of those Burlington Northern Santa Fe yeah. massive diesel electric trains crashed into a, a wall. I heard that happened, and it, and it really wasn't reported that much, considering a guy tried to drive a train engine into a military boat. Right especially one that was here for the pandemic, you know, it kind of tied into the pandemic idea. I would love to see his internet history. Oh my God. Yeah. His, his browser history. Yeah. Like what, what were you reading buddy? And, and, but yeah, the, the one thing that I did read about that story is he was like a normal, you know, train opera. Like he was an engineer that like did this for years. Like he, it wasn't <laughs> like he didn't hijack a train or anything. It's like, right. So the uh, that was that was definitely odd. That that was such a huge shift from what we were talking about. But oh, I only have I only got three headlines to read, and none of them have anything to do with finance. <laughs> so I don't know why I picked them, but they just they just cracked me up. So anyway, sorry. So go, go back go back to yours, and I'll, I have two okay. more for later. So um, all right. So back to earnings season. Um, this was oh right the purpose of the show. I forgot. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> People are right next to their fireside, and we are chatting to them. About we are here to put their minds at ease about the tumultuous. Is that how you say it? Tumultuous market. I know what you mean. So, earnings season. The bulk of it was this week, um, and it wasn't a good week. So, so it was it was worse than expected. Is that kind of the general consensus? The, the you really can't put too much weight into the expectations for this quarter because it was kind of like a a shotgun spray. It was nobody had any idea, and and the the ranges of estimates were the widest they've ever been in history, and so that gives you some idea. Wow. Of, of nobody had any idea. Of these people that follow these companies, you know, every week had no clue what was going to happen. Um, so the, the estimates of what people expected to happen, um, I don't know exactly how that came out, but the, the important thing is is there was a 13% decline, 13.7, from earnings this quarter compared to earnings from the previous quarter one year ago. And that's the best way we can really gauge you know, how, how this is going. And the record, um, at least the recent record, was Q3 of 2009, which was negative 15%. So we're kind of at par um, mm. with this, as far as the worst week um, of, of the Great Recession. Um, by the way, I did hear a new term getting thrown around. Oh, I know. <laughs> the, Go for the, it. The Great Repression. Yeah. What so is the idea that it's kind of a self-induced recession, so it's called a repression? I that that sounds good. I think it's just different, and people like something <laughs> clickable. Yeah, but they need something kind of clicky. Yeah, I get it. And so, but yeah, so this was this was a bad a bad 
earnings season if it if it keeps panning out i think only half of the com- companies have actually reported but it, it's pretty once we get this far in it's pretty clear what's going to happen um utilities energy and materials have done the worst um healthcare information technology and consumer staples surprising have done the best and i say that not really surprising um <laughs> toilet, so, uh, crazy that toilet paper had a good quarter i would yeah, have never guess paper the internet and hospitals uh, <laughs> and so so all those did good so um i was so, yeah. i was kind of researching some hospital stock since we talked last week and it, it looks like we missed the boat on that they um i mean they had a terrible quarter but the outlook is good i guess so the the prices are high so we yeah. kind of missed the boat there. They, they had, their, they were about a third of their price, like on March 18th, they were about a third of their January price, but they were, they've recovered a lot of that since yeah. then. So. so next on the, wait, hold on. How many more do you have? <clears throat> uh, two. Okay. Let me, let me get one in here. Okay. This is kind of a combo one. I, I have two. So, uh, the first one is a Elon Musk. Um, you probably saw that he's been up to some, uh, some hijinks. So sh- I was going to say shenanigans. <laughs> shenanigans. Yep, exactly. So this is a combo. So this first one, I think everybody's heard. I just don't know if everyone's heard the second one. So, but for background, um, uh, Elon, the CEO of, is he the CEO still? Is that his actual title? Yeah. Of Tesla. Uh, se- several. And then yeah. SpaceX as well. And, and I don't the, think Solar City any, anymore, but he owns the, it. The or Boring something. Company. The Boring Company. Yes. A bunch of stuff. So he went on a rant about some stuff, and these are the key points of his rant. Um, he lashed out at the government stay-at-home orders, calling them fascist, in an expletive-laced rant on, here's the thing, it wasn't just on like a phone call to a buddy, it was on his Tesla's Q1 2020 <laughs> <Yeah>. earnings call. <laughs> he, a good platform. Yeah, he called the shelter-in-place orders forcibly imprisoning people in their homes against all their constitutional rights, but that's my opinion, and breaking people's freedoms in ways that are horrible. He warned that not being able to resume production at the Bay Area plant was a serious risk to the company. <clears throat> so I'm actually not sure if that makes me like him more or less <laughs> because it's kind of funny. And uh, he is he's producing cars in all of his other plants. It's just the California plant. And, you know, there are workers potentially potentially losing their jobs. So I get it. I get the idea. But it was just kind of out of nowhere. But here's where it turns odd. If that wasn't odd enough. Are you ready for okay. this? Yes. No. He had a series of three tweets. I'm going to read them to you and tell me if you think his head is in a weird place right now. Here's tweet number one. I am selling almost all physical possessions. Will own no house. <laughs> Had you heard this? I, I, so I do, um, <laughs> I do subscribe to him on Twitter. Okay. And I saw these all at once and I was like, what? Yeah. So just so recap, I'm going to read them in order. So I am selling almost all physical possessions. Will own no house. all right and then this is a new tweet now give people back their freedom which honestly i'm a big freedom advocate so i get it i'm on board let people make their own dumb decisions but okay uh and then here's one that i'm just like man this is either profound or he is on mushrooms it says rage rage against the dying of the light of consciousness rage against the Say that again, slower. Okay, rage. Rage against the dying of the light of consciousness, which honestly, I think that is a, a good 
statement. I think consciousness is dying and it's the Kardashians and, and uh, the news and, we, and they're slowly killing not, consciousness. We need, to, we need to not be okay with that. But it's just an odd sequence of three tweets for, you know, one of the biggest, most prolific what, CEOs in America. What time, what time of day was this? Uh, they're all around 8 a.m. So okay. he, he's driving into work going, I need to rage against a dying of the light today. <laughs> you know, I, I tend to reserve, I tend to not judge somebody that is reinventing the electric car market. Yes. Sending people into space. Agreed. And digging holes. And I, and I know, it, I know it sounds like I'm mocking him. This actually makes me like him more unless this is some kind of an act because I've always sort of viewed him as this like, government shill just taking tons of taxpayer money to make himself rich which is what all of his companies do um <laughs> but this actually makes me like looks oh, except for oh no even spacex because nasa is his biggest uh buyer but spacex is cool i really you know it's it's exciting yeah. um so is tesla but i don't get why american taxpayers need to subsidize people who want sports cars but whatever um this makes me think he's like got something going on like he's just an interesting dude so I, I don't know if this makes me want to buy tesla more or less it took a he's, took a dive so probably more well he also said his tesla stock price was too high yeah and that's the one i forgot to read his text was literally tesla stock price too high imo <laughs> <laughs> well your opinion uh, your opinion matters you are the ceo so what so I, this is actually, I feel kind of embarrassed asking this question, but what does IMO mean? In my opinion. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to pretend I'm not a millennial right now. Yeah, um, you, no, honestly, though, you aren't. In, in terms of years, you're technically a millennial, but you are the most boomer millennial I've ever met in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, that's a good, that, you can introduce me as that from now on. Oh, that would be a great handle for you for this show. Blaine, the boomer millennial. It even has some double B action. There you go. All right. I don't have to say forest dwelling mountain money manager anymore. Uh, (laughs) All right. One one more. And then these are so silly that I just have to turn it back over to you after this. So I would, that last one I would file under the category of shaking my head. This, Uh, this, yeah, SMH. Oh, all right. Millennial. See, see that? See what I did there? This one I would file under last thing that we need so i've got man i don't want to read all this but i think i need to just when you thought 2020 couldn't get any worse or weirder we now have to worry about giant murder hornets a variety of giant hornets native to asia have recently been spotted in washington state sounds bad god it gets worse Better known as the Asian giant hornet, it can grow up to two inches long with a stinger that's a quarter inch long, long enough to sting through a beekeeper suit, and the sting delivers a venom that is deadly and will kill you, (laughs) regardless of whether or not you're allergic to bees. Um, In Japan, it kills about 50 people a year, so not that many, but still. Um, It's massive. Yeah, so listen, listen to this. The hornets also pose a significant... Oh, I skipped a paragraph. Um, they have mandibles that are shaped like spiked shark fins and a cartoonishly fierce face featuring teardrop eyes like Spider-Man, orange and black stripes that extend down its body like a tiger and broad wings like a dragonfly. The horns, what? I'm sorry. I'm looking at images right now. They're the size of a thumb. (laughs) They're, they're horrific. 
Uh, the hornets also pose a significant risk to honeybees, which the hornets target as a food source. Here's my favorite quote of the whole story. Are you ready? Yeah. Decapitating the bees and, a f- and flying away with the thoraxes to feed to their young. Oh, uh, the, Times, nice. the Times interviewed one beekeeper who described the hornets. In his decades of beekeeping, he had never seen anything like it. As he pulled his truck up to check on a group of hives near Custer, Washington in November, he could spot from the window a mess of bee carcasses scattered amongst the ground. As he looked closer, he saw a pile of dead members of the colony in front of the hive and horrific carnage inside. Thousands and thousands of bee heads torn from their bodies with no sign of a culprit. So... I guess we'll deal with this after the pandemic. <laughs> so Custer, Washington is right near Canada. That's oh, I blame the Canadians. That's, that's near a lot of people. It's not like it's it's not like it's in the boonies of Washington. That's not good. Are you suggesting that the Canadians had a role to play in this uh Hey man, it's they're within fifteen miles. Our so fr- our friendly neighbors to the north may not be, not be so, so friendly. friendly. Murder <laughs> hornets. Giant eight, giant Asian murder hornets. That's a great name. That that that's all I've got. Those are those are all my crazy headlines. I will not distract from the purpose of our show anymore. Continue. Okay. No, these are good diversions. <laughs> so what do you got for us? Okay. So, um, getting back to so one of the things I remember, um, obviously we were we were in college back in 2008 during the last uh, little calamity here and and during college i remember a lot of obviously we're in economics courses and you especially yes and actually you only <laughs> yeah actually when i think about it um so i was in economics courses and every day we would go to go to school and talk about the news because this stuff was popping up where you know aig and uh, Lehman and all these companies were going bankrupt and it was it was a great environment for me to learn about all this stuff and what was interesting to note is that weird things started happening and and companies would would start pulling back from their normal lines of business um, so Wells Fargo announced I believe Thursday that they're no longer accepting applications for home equity lines of credit and these lines of credit are not a major source of income for Wells Fargo, but it is definitely a significant source of income. And for to to announce really that they have stopped those. What, what do you think that says about their outlook on the economy? It almost makes me feel like they think that fewer and fewer customers will be able to repay those. They, yeah, that that generally they're going to have more. People, you know, statistically, they're going to have a far higher, um, you know, default rate on those because those are those are technically a riskier. Right. Yeah. You know, just because, because they're, they're a second position. Them. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And so so it is riskier, but the interest rates don't justify. I mean, with interest rates being at super low, um, basically, just, just that, make mortgages. Don't make second mortgages, basically. Yep. Yep. And and so halting that is, it's a very clear signal from their analysts and their forecasters that they don't want to play in that sector right now. And that's that. It just reminds me of one of those things that that come up that you know weird things start happening and and yeah, that it's a it's a it's like a signal. It's a it's a it uh, is. I don't I don't know what else to call it, but it's kind of the canary in the coal mine. Like for example, um, 
what what's his name? Oh, most famous investor ever, <laughs> Warren Buffett. Yeah. Having so much money on the sidelines right now, that's yep. not a sign of optimism. And he was no. the one, he was kind of the first people back in 2008 to start buying. Um, so if, if we're using that him as a barometer, we should be, I guess, expecting uh, more trouble ahead. Yeah, and I, d- I did read a report recently that because that, he had their um, – their little Woodstock festival they have with their earnings um, for Berkshire Hathaway. The, the Oracle of Omaha. Yeah. And, and so they had that event today and he basically announced that they sold all their, all their airlines and yeah. he's, a, he's a big airline fan. I know he, he had like 50 million in each American Delta and United, which to me is an odd thing as an investor. Cause you're typically trying to pick the winner, but um, regardless anyway, so he sold all of that. That's what he said, and his his rationale was, uh, quote unquote, the world is different. Um, so, oh boy, yeah. So I didn't read too much about that because it really, I think it just came out today. But, um, so yeah, that that was that. Um, Man, I'm just not in the mood for a recession right now. I know that. Oh, you're not. <laughs> I know that has very little bearing on the world economy, but. Things are kind of starting to go my way. Uh, (laughs) Trevor doesn't want a recession. Yeah, we're going to need to, I'm going to need to call Warren. So that was that. Um, My only other story, and this is, I'm going to, I'm going to basically announce the story and then I'm going to punt to you. Oh boy, Uh, you know, you know, I'm a bad special teams player, but yes. (laughs) So the, the Bitcoin having. Ooh, okay. And I know one thing about this, so you better not say it before punting it to me. Well, I, I just punted. Okay. <laughs> that, that that was very considerate of you. So all, all I know about it is, so Bitcoin is having, which is basically the equivalent of a stock split, except a, when a stock splits, now all of a sudden it becomes more affordable. So there's a potential for people to kind of rush in and buy. So a stock split can kind of be perceived as good because the company is, you know, its stock price is increasing so rapidly. It has momentum, then it splits. And now all of a sudden it looks cheap to people who are a little less educated about Surely psychological. Of course. But would you say that's kind of a thing it that is. can happen? Yeah. When small investors see us um, like Berkshire Hathaway stock, for example, um, it's, it's, I, I'm not buying Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> well, no, but it's, I think it's like a hundred thousand. No, that's what, that's what I mean. Yeah. 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 But if it was 50, I probably would because, yeah. you know, so it's more accessible. So that's technically not the case with Bitcoin because you can buy, well, I guess with stocks now too, but you can buy uh fractional. fractional yeah. yeah. But what is true about it is now the reward to miners is halved because that's what's actually having. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, I think, I think the price is having as well. I mean, so it's like a split. The vet, the price of one Bitcoin will be cut in half, but because of that now, if I invest, like there's countries like Venezuela, countries with free electricity, especially they will build Bitcoin mining farms. And that just means basically server racks filled with computers yeah. that are solving these really complicated math problems. And every time they complete a block of these math problems, they get a a Bitcoin or a fraction of what I'm not sure exactly. Um, but now that reward is half as much. So the profitability of mining, or at least the revenue, just got halved. So the idea is that, number one, the difficulty of mining Bitcoin 
continues to increase every time a Bitcoin is mined. So what happens is basically there's going to be a supply shrinkage of Bitcoin. So, you know, like a new supply. Well, so now there's going to be less Bitcoins coming online, basically. Yeah. So if assuming that the demand for them remains the same, this would be um, this would make you think that the price of Bitcoin is getting ready to go up. But that would be and that's what history has shown us. Right. Generally. Yeah, but so, I mean, Bitcoin is purely driven by emotion, and f- it, it's not—it's not like I don't know. I don't think the intrinsic value, because they—they say what's different about Bitcoin than cash is that Bitcoin, there is work that goes into it. It's like mining gold. Like you have to put work into pulling gold out of the ground, so it has an intrinsic value because it's scarce and difficult to obtain. And they say the yeah. same thing about Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin's valuable just because people think it's a cool thing to buy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Obviously, if there's an unlimited supply of it, it would be worthless. So scarcity comes into play. But so, so I don't know. I mean, the on paper, it looks like Bitcoin could definitely go up. It's already really expensive, though. It's hard for me to buy. It's like currency trading. Like, it'd be hard for me to drop $10,000 on Japanese yen, you know? Yeah. And that's backed by a government. Bitcoin isn't really backed by anything. So what do, what do you think? Are you buying? No. Um, okay. <laughs> not that. Not that I would. I'm, no. Uh, it was just, I just your certainty was 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 awesome. <laughs> it, it's you know I always whenever any big events coming it's it's um, I usually steer clear because it's some it's some positive or negative reaction for a day and then it then everybody kind of forgets about it and it goes back to where it was. But I mean who knows. Um, but the one thing I have been watching with cryptocurrency and, and this little um, debacle we've had here in the last couple of weeks and months with the markets is is a lot of people, a lot of crypto fans have been waiting for a crash like this to right. to have everybody, you know, have an epiphany that, that we need to go crypto. And that did not happen. Um, I mean, why would it? I don't I don't see a situation where you would ever turn to Bitcoin. And I know it's like, I'm supposed to like it. Like you said, we're millennials, but I don't, I don't get why we would ever use Bitcoin as a currency. Number one, it's value fluctuates way too much. No, yeah, it's It's, not a, yeah. It's like a cool, like kind of cool thing to have to tell someone you bought something in Bitcoin, but I can't imagine widespread adoptance of it. If there was you, uh, the government would step in. They don't want. No, that's a competitor. Right, exactly. So what I could see happening and I know a lot of people have already said this, but the only way I could see a cryptocurrency working is if it was a U.S. dollar cryptocurrency or a Chinese yuan cryptocurrency. You know what I mean? Like a a government-backed cryptocurrency. Yeah, and the only so the only the only counterpoint to that I have is that like nobody, there's no bank runs going on right now. Exactly. There's no there is no lack of confidence for the U.S. dollar in the short term. There, you know, people have their views about all this money we're printing right now um, for a long-term health of the dollar, but right now the the dollar's value is is not anywhere near fluctuating, and right. and, and that's that's what you know when when that conf- crisis confidence happens, then then there's going to be an argument for Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is still in the extreme infancy, I think, of as far as being adopted like this and. And I think the the Libra project that Facebook is is up to is interesting to watch. Um, 
because of they're they're kind of partnering with retailers and they're they're kind of the middleman between retailers and and consumers and so, so that sounds like another great scam. Yeah, yeah. And and so it's it's an interesting thing that's going to play out, but as far as a currency, I mean, if if you are using Bitcoin as a currency for your company, you're you're accepting bitcoins and then you're instantly transferring it into cash. Right. You're not you're not storing value no, in Bitcoin, no. which is what it's supposed to be, a store of value. Yeah, and so so it's still it's a neat technology, um, but it's still an infant. It it's not the the actual Bitcoin invent not Bitcoin itself because the technology the blockchain idea that's a, a I think an entirely different it is. conversation is it's very interesting and it, it has applications beyond currency. Um, yeah, oh yeah. But I also have some thoughts about why I also don't necessarily think it's people talk about it being anonymous and I. I don't know. Anyway, uh, and that it can't be stolen, it can't be hacked. I don't know if that's necessarily true. But um, the thing that is, where was I going with this? Oh, but just it's it's purely speculation. It's nothing other than speculation. Um, if you invest, quote unquote, in Bitcoin, it it's not. I don't think you can even call that an investment. That's just purely a gamble. You're just rolling the dice. It might go it up. Is. It might go down. Yeah. So. I haven't bought any. I know you have. I know you have some. I certainly wish I had bought some. Don't get me wrong. Um, and I kind of want to buy some of the other. You you have a few different. Or well, I I'm sorry. I don't know what you. I think you mentioned it before. What do you have? I I have a plethora. Um and and a lot of them are very 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 small amounts. Um, Is but, it like like Litecoin and Ethereum and that kind of stuff? So the the normal the normal um path for anybody that gets into crypto they buy bitcoin and then they buy ethereum and litecoin and then they usually stop there um and and i i didn't but um <laughs> you, you buy all kinds of stuff <laughs> a bunch of bunch of like no-name stuff you've never heard ten, of 10 million um, GNU coins for pretty 40 much, cents. yeah yeah and, and i think they're all still at about their same value um but but no yeah so it's those are the, the main players. And, it's kind of cool. Like, it's a fun thing to think about. It, it's I got, entertainment. I got a little into the mining idea, and then I just realized you have to spend too much money to, to actually be able to do it. And then unless you have free electricity, you know, solar panels or whatever, you're not going to make any money. So, yeah. But anyway, um, what have you, I'm sorry, did you have one more? Or, I did. Uh, no, no. That's what, what have you heard about Remdesivir? since last week so i heard um it obviously all in the news um emergency approval if i'm if i remember correctly the fda said that's correct um and so i i I assume by your question you have heard more than i have no i mean that that's basically it i just kind of wanted to it's it's newsworthy for sure right so potential treatment so basically i had mentioned i think our very first episode i mentioned remdesivir and the uh, hydroxychloroquine thing and i talked about how i felt like there was something going on with those two drugs and it was it, it was just it's just handled very oddly like the president is making these comments and then his staff are making these kind of contradictory comments. And it's like, they're kind of looking at each other and like, there's some like subtext that I just was not getting. So I, um, I looked into them a little bit and hydroxychloroquine is, is basically free. It's like a dollar a pill. So there, there was just, there's just no business case for putting it through trials and no, no trials were funded basically in America. 
There were some trials funded in France and I want to say Spain. And they, they found, they found what was reported to be lackluster results. Okay. For the uh, first one. Hydroxy. For, yeah. For hydroxychloroquine, zinc and um, Z-Pak used together. Question. Yes. So who funds these studies? Well, I mean, in America, it's, it's pharmaceutical companies. Um, but it, it could be any number of, you know, it could be the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Clinton Global Initiative. It could be Harvard Endowment for Scientific, you know, it's just all these funds. Yeah. Um, and they all kind of have, it's not necessarily out of the goodness of anybody's heart. You don't put up, you know, a million dollars for just to help humanity. I'm sure there are a lot of funds that yeah. do that. But typically, I mean, it's like, hey, let's, uh, let's, fund a study to test a drug we have the patent for and if it works out great if it doesn't you know it doesn't but um so anyway so hydroxychloroquine there's just there was no financial case for it regardless of whether or not it was effective we never tested it here in america and the tests in other countries were kind of lackluster so fauci and a couple other folks were always talking about remdesivir kind of being the bright light you know that was going to be the one and trump was saying maybe it's this other one and it was just bizarre so anyway they did a they did a study in china on remdesivir and the news which is odd came out and reported it as a dud like it doesn't work blah 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 so i looked into it and that's not what happened at all people just dropped out of the study some people died um some people basically got lost you know because they were just like yeah. Uh, transient people in the hospital and you know whatever so there just were no results so it was reported as not working but anyway that was last week I guess this week they came out and said guys we did it <laughs> we, we found the end all be all drug um, and of course it's remdesivir which, which is a thousand dollars a pill and owned by you know one of the largest pharmaceutical companies in the world um and it's going to save us. But I looked at the results of that study. They're like the exact same as the hydroxychloroquine results in France, which was reported as being a dud. Lame, yeah. Yeah, so it's like it shortens the, I mean, it does something. I'm not trying to say, I mean, I'm happy that yeah. it has approval and that people will start getting it. But it, it basically shortens the duration of the illness by a couple of days, and it changes the death rate in that group from like 12% to 10 so it's not it's not a cure at all, you know. No. But but, but anyway, so it's okay. out. It's out, and um, I'm wondering what that means for the whole fear haze over our country right now. Does having a treatment approved by the FDA being administrated to patients does this start to kind of set the stage for a return to normal, or does none of that happen until there's a vaccine? Do you think? I don't want to get coronavirus <laughs> and you might have you might have already had it i might have but but i don't want to mess around with it and i know i'm young and all these things that i should i don't need to worry but i'd rather not have it and, sure, of and course, the, yeah. the, the fact that there's a a pill that will shorten my hospital stay by a few days and well and, you you know that now because i told you but the average person they're being told this all, is a cure it's a treat yeah it's, yeah, a, it's a, a treatment it's for a cure. Least, yeah and so you know i do think that um well i don't think the specifics of it will get out to the public i agree yeah 
I, I, I wouldn't promote it <laughs> if it were my company. And so, so I would imagine that it will help things speed up. I hope so. I, I'm really worried about small business right now. There was a protest here in town today. Oh, yeah? And um, I actually recognized a few of the people <laughs> who I know own businesses here on this main street down here, State Street. And uh, I was like, oh, you know, they're all wearing masks and stuff. It wasn't like, they weren't like licking door handles and making out with each other. Yeah. It was, they're we're, they're wearing masks and staying kind of spread apart. They just had signs that said like, open small business. Like what, why is Walmart open and we're not, you know? Um, oh. And the comment section was brutal. It was like these effing idiots. This is why we can't open because these dumb, you know, I was wow. like, oh man, like that's not what it is. Like th- these these people are worried about paying their rent, just like you, you know. So it was kind of a bummer, but so I I hope a drug will do that. Um, I have not been paying a ton of attention to the vaccine. I do know that they are trying to crank this thing out pretty quick. Um, five years is the record for any vaccine. They're looking wow. to do it in one. It sounds like. But here's the thing, not to get like sci- sciencey, but it's a retrovirus, which means that its RNA changes pretty rapidly. So you would this would not be like a one-time thing. It'd be at least as often as the flu potentially. Maybe this is something you would need to take two or three times a year. I don't know. Um, and I just don't see how they get it out in a year. Uh, I I don't I don't know how that's possible. If 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 it changes that frequently, it, are they kind of shooting at a moving target? Yeah, I mean it's like the flu shot. Like we had a that really one that one really bad season that I kept mentioning where it was like sixty yeah. one thousand. They, I mean, the flu vaccine basically was ineffective. They they it was geared towards like strain A. If you ever look at all the flu strains, it's interesting. There's a ton of different flu strains. Um. So yeah, it's going to be the same idea. And I, I don't know how quickly the RNA changes on this virus. I imagine some smart person does. I don't know if it's quicker than the flu or, or shorter, but um, it just seems like everything about this virus is worse than, you know, I, I doubt we're going to get good news. I don't know, but I have a feeling it changes rapidly, in which case I don't know how effective this thing would be. But anyway, I mean, fingers how, crossed. But And so I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but like, how do we calibrate the vaccine if if for the flu i don't know i really don't know yeah i i was just thinking about that today and i was thinking about looking it up like how do we i mean i know that we have a record of all the different strains that we know of and then we probably they probably start sampling early cases to see what the percentages are of each and and then they they kind of rush it into production they rush it into production and they ship it out and you know eight times out of ten it's 70 percent effective and then two times out of ten it doesn't do much um so I mean, I think it needs to be 70% effective to really provide like that kind of herd immunity that keeps the virus from spreading. And the flu shot is rarely that effective, but it is, it is. I mean, it has a, I mean, it has a decent track record, but they've, that's a well, I mean, that they have yeah. time and, um, you know, lots of history side. This I don't know how they're going to pull this off. I, I'm not going to say it's not doable, but I hope we don't wait to reopen the economy for it because that could that's, be that could be a bad standard to set. No, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And 
the the other thing that I was going to mention on a, on a light note is I have never been a um, a um, faithful flu shot recipient. Right. I've I've missed my years for sure, many, and I don't think I'm ever going to miss a flu shot again. Really. It's just changed my my. I've I've learned a lot more about them, um, and I I really don't get sick often. So I I would tell myself that I don't need a flu shot because I don't get sick often. But after learning about this and how the vaccines work and everything, it's like well, and we have kids now, obviously. So I'm gonna right, of get my flu shot. But but um, I would tell my younger self to shut up and take the flu shot. <laughs> shut up and take your medicine. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's good advice, especially for like, you know, like, um, although it's a little less effective in, in the elderly, but um, especially for the elderly. So um, on that note, uh, this is a terrible segue because it has nothing. I said on that note, but it has nothing to do with what I'm going to say next. Um, let's uh, let's look at our, I guess, our picks. So um, my pick, I have the distinct privilege of my first pick being a worst case scenario. So I have nowhere to go, but up my first pick was the U S oil fund and it has been Brutal. destroyed here. Here's what I will say in my defense. It's not an excuse, but it's kind of an excuse. Oil price is technically higher now than when I purchased this stock in so this in theory, ETF. So in theory, I was right about what I thought was going to happen. However, the ETF that I picked to track oil price is down 52%. So just to recap, oil price is up. I think oil was like 13 or 14 um, when I mentioned this. And now it's, I actually haven't looked in the past couple of days, but I think it's 16, 17, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. It's certainly not 50% lower than it was. So No. So that that was a that was a lesson that I learned well. Not do not buy ETFs that trade in future contracts to track a commodity. You are just messing around. <laughs> You're just kidding yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, and then you, it looks like you've got uh, some some shorts on here. Yep, yeah, and and um, basically I shorted on on the last two weeks and the first well i guess the the furthest back week um i lost meaning the stock market went up uh, by 1.3 percent and then the well actually no no the the that week the short was down 0.94 percent and then this week or the most recent week it was up 1.09 percent so all that work and thought <laughs> I'm up 0.15%. Hey, when you're up, you're up. I'm down 50, so <laughs> the other the other bet I did I did place on the inaugural episode was JP Morgan. Yeah. And that was a much longer hold um and the they're doing theory, okay. Yeah, they're down, but the theory behind that is that they're a key pillar in the Fed's operations right now. Any any of the large banks um they're also making a ton of money processing these loans. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some investigations about how the loan processing went down. Yeah, but you know, um, you know what is some comfort in regards to that. And this, yeah. I think you could actually put this in the thesis box as to why you picked J.P. Morgan. 
at least it's not Wells Fargo, (laughs) (laughs) which is the most corrupt financial institution on earth. And they get caught yearly for doing something terrible, but yet they are still here doing well. Hey man, they rebranded, I think two years ago. So it's, it's, it's okay. What's their rebrand? They went from horses pulling a carriage to, I think just the carriage. I'm not being robbed by highwaymen. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, that's a good one. I'll suggest that. What are, what are you picking this week? Um, so I'm making you go first so that I can try to think of what I'm picking because I, okay. I do not see anything that I am in love with right now. So go ahead. So there's another saying, I talk about these sayings and there's another saying that, um, people brought up on Friday, which was May 1st, I believe. And the saying is sell in May and go away. Right. Yeah. And so everybody's thinking now that we had a really bad March. We had a really good April. And that now is the time to sell in May and go away. And do you, and do you agree with that? I, um, I'm going to listen to the saying. Yeah, sayings are there for a reason. Right. And, and it, the, the only unfortunate part of the saying is it doesn't say when to come back. Um, but just go away. Just go away. And so generally, though, you're supposed to come back when summer's over. Um, and so so I'm going to sell in May and go away. All right. But you're not actually selling anything. You're holding. Or, are, or are you selling your, um, your uh, short position? Well, the short was already. Um, that was a, a predetermined buy and sell. Oh, that was a one week thing. Okay. So I'm done. I'm done with shorting. But now that I'm done with shorting, the market will go down. Um, and so, but I'm. <laughs> you, hey, speaking of which, do you have any reason for picking like a pro shares ETF short or a, I don't know what I have. It's like a, I don't know, but it's a different short. Only thing that I would look at um, is the market cap of the fund. Gotcha. Um, so, the, so if if there's less money in that fund than my bank account, I should be wary. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There, there just might be issues in in um, with liquidity of being able to sell when you want to sell, but but most of the ones that you see are at, probably no problem. Um, but but yeah, I, I always go largest market cap. But um, my investment this week is going to be cash. All right. Well, that's boring, but I guess that's that's the deal. You know, if the market's looking kind of, I think is I think a zero percent return is going to be higher. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm with you. Um, okay. For a stock picking show, we aren't picking very many stocks, but I have to, I have to agree with you, man. I, I mean, I'm looking at this stuff and I'm, there's a lot of things that catch my eye. Anytime I see a well-known company drop 12% in a day, you know, I'm thinking, Oh, maybe, maybe I want to look at that. But then I go, Oh wait, it's an airline. Um, okay, so let me scroll up. Ooh, minus 15%. Oh, wait, it's Norwegian Cruise Lines. These are all companies that I don't know if I really want to own long-term. And if you're not owning it long-term, I'm not a day trader, so um, what's the point? Although I love the idea of being a day trader. It's a very um, romantic. I want to introduce myself to someone like, hey, I'm so-and-so. What, what do you do? Oh, I'm a day trader. And say, oh, so you're unemployed. <laughs> oh, so you're broke and yeah, you're, so you're li- broke, <laughs> and you're living off your wife. Great. <laughs> Apparently, there are some rich day traders out there. I've never met one, but oh 
I'm sure that everyone has a story of how they made. It's kind of. I think it's kind of like fishing. Yeah. Oh, that is. You sorry. Continue. You keep fishing and spending hours staring at a bobber because you once caught a massive fish and you're going to catch another one (laughs) and you're going to catch another one one day that i feel i feel similarly about technical analysis except for maybe like moving averages and that kind of stuff but the whole idea like the black swan descending into the head and shoulders loop there's there's never any follow-up on people that make those predictions there should be like a there should be like in, in research you have an, a validity a reliability like we should see okay a head and shoulders what is the reliability of that you know and how do you define it instead it's of got a catchy name so yeah, that's really like, all that matters what do you mean how do you define it you've got you know the head is like the big one and then the, the shoulder i'm like okay i shouldn't have bought this 20 dollar book um, <laughs> So okay, so we're we're coming down here to the end. Uh, a couple housekeeping things. Want to recap that we do have a website. It's firesidechatsnetwork.com. If you're out there, if you're one of the three or four people who downloaded our show this week, and you're not related to Blaine or I, and or even if you are, and you have an interest in something, and you have two hundred dollars to spend on a microphone and a board. Uh, you too could be uh, semi-not famous like Blaine and I, and we, we could put you on our website. So let us know. How do you let us know? You reach out to us at Blaine at FiresideChatsNetwork.com because he's the best about checking his emails, and you could send him questions. He is a financial genius who you are not allowed to take advice from from the show because none of this is personal financial advice. Um, but you can ask him questions for a friend, not for yourself. Am I doing okay? <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay. I, you know, that was a very subliminal way to delegate and I was very classy. Thank you. Thank you. I, I good. tried to be classy. That's, that was actually my new year's resolution to try to be classy. Um, uh-huh. not, not really. I, I don't know if I've ever really made a serious new year's resolution. I usually go, you know what? This is the year you're going to start working out. And then that's about it. Um, actually speaking of that though, I am cleaning out my garage and I'm looking to make it a gym, but we'll see. Ask me next week how that's going. Um, you're not going to put like a car in it. I would like to put my truck in it. Yeah. This is the first time I've owned a car that I'm like, really like I'm proud of, you know, yeah. I, I, well, I was proud of my Jeep, but I didn't own a garage, so it was irrelevant. Um, but since then, this is the car I'm really proud of. So I, I think I do want to put it in the garage. Do you guys have a garage? You kind of have your house is like forty feet below the road. We do not. We are. We are. Um, you just exposed. leave it out there with the bears. <laughs> well, the, the the important thing I did is I put it on a remote start, and so when it is oh, snowing cool. and all that, we can just get it going. Get it all warmed up and toasty. Um, Anyway, so that so that is our email, Blaine at firesidechatsnetwork.com. There's a feedback at firesidechatsnetwork.com. We are going to put a donate button on the website and think of a way to convince you guys to give us your money, um, even though you don't have to. That does not sound like a promising business model, but we will <laughs> we will refine that. <laughs> uh, 
And I think, just kind of closing thoughts here, I think next week we're going to be hearing some news about China. I think that's going to be the talk of this week. That's my prediction. And, um, and can I can I get a little bit more of a reason why? I think we are looking at... Um, well, I don't, I don't know if you saw these crazy press conferences. The president does not... Not to get into politics, whether you like him or not, I think you'd admit that these are crazy press conferences. Yeah. Uh, and that could be from any perspective. The reporters are crazy. The president's crazy. The people on stage are, everything is just absolute bananas. He, he's, he's made a few comments that I don't think the reporters are going to let him forget about, such as, well, we now have evidence that the virus originated from the lab. Oh, wait. Uh, okay. And then he said, oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to say that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then the the director of intelligence came out and said there's now an official investigation into the lab. Um, So I think we're going to see more of that. And now Trump's starting to talk about punishing China, regardless of whether or not it came from the lab, but punishing them for covering up the initial severity by uh, putting implementing tariffs. We were knee deep in in a trade war before this happened. Yeah, I think there is a like a cold war going on between the U S and China that we do not acknowledge or are aware of as a general public watching the news. There's a lot of stuff going on and there's a lot of actors involved. Um, there's a lot of ties to China. China has a lot of money in our businesses. There's something, some, I, I don't know. We'll see, well, but he's I, talking I, about I, tariffs and that's going to freak people out. I think so. We'll see what happens. I do think we might have a topic for next week's show. China? China. Yeah, let's do it. We can talk about right. China and the, um, all the meat factories getting ready to shut down. Oh, time out. I changed, my, I changed my stock pick. Oh, okay. Beyond Beef. Oh, yeah. That's my pick. Are you going to buy any? Should I? Um, I will. I will buy some. Beyond Meat, they're down 8%. Let's look at their six month. So their low is 54. So they're a lot higher. They're at 91, but they were at like 122, 126. They were at like $55 at the bottom. Yeah, that's what it looks like. So, I mean, it's it's up a bit for sure. It's up a lot. But uh, Well, I didn't look at the chart before I said (laughs) that. Hey, you know what? We don't have to hold you to it, man. I'm doing it. All right. You're doing it. Okay, I will see you next week to talk about China, I guess. Take it easy. China it is. See you later. (laughs) See you.